Astral Travel and Dreams. You've heard me speak of it today in a few ads that I've run. For near-death accident victims, leading scientific researchers and members of the International Association of Near-Death Studies, well, they've, they've, they've conducted these studies. And Mark Pritchard has written about it. Do you believe? Do you not believe? Well, he's going to be able to answer a few questions, and he's written a book that he's going to tell you all about called A Course in Astral Travels and Dreams. Welcome, Mark. Hi, Steve. Well, Mark, I got this book the other day. I've scanned it. I, usually I read everything completely before I have anybody on, but you've sent me enough information here, and, and I've, I've read enough of it that I find it very, very interesting. I think everyone has had a a dream where they think they've had an out-of-body experience, but it's not something anybody wants to talk about. Uh, yep. Why did you pick this subject? Well, I was uh, looking for something um, spiritual many years ago that um, wasn't quite orthodox. I just wanted to, to look and see what was about. And I came across a group uh, that were practicing um, teaching out-of-body experiences. And um, so I, I took part in a, kind of a, an exercise where we all lay down and, uh, well, some of us had an out-of-body experience. And from there on, I, I knew that it was something real, and uh, I, I pursued it from there. Well, it is a, something that's on everybody's mind, and, of course, we find it really interesting when we find these near-death experiences out there, and people come out and say they they've, can see everything in the room from up above, or... Do you interview people that can do that, or are you able to do that? Yeah, there's, there's a slight difference in the near-death experience and the out-of-body experience. Uh, with the near-death experience, it's, well, basically you have to die to have it. And uh, so I have spoken to, to some people who have had near-death experiences, and uh, they're very, very real, extremely uh, clear experiences. With out-of-body experiences, um, they're things that anybody can have. Anybody can, can learn to have an out-of-body experience. You don't need to go through a trauma to do it. Um, you, you just go to sleep, basically. Um, then sometimes it's not as clear as a near-death experience. Sometimes it is so. And in both cases, they're both very profound events which happen in someone's life. The Astral World, an introduction to astral travel and dreams. There is, I've scanned this book. I've got a lot of questions that I'd like to ask him. He talks of different dimensions. He says there's length, width, height. That's the third dimension. The fourth dimension is time. The fifth dimension is eternity. There's two planes there. One's mental, the other's astral. On the sixth, it's electronic. There's two planes there, buddhic and casual. Now, the dimension of the spirit is the seventh plane. Well, astral is the first of two planes of the fifth dimension. Kind of, uh, we've heard that before, have we not? And the twilight zone. He says there's seven dimensions total. Most people know the, the first three, 
length, width, and height. And the fourth, which is time. He says that's known to science. I was just telling them about the different dimensions. I don't know where you want to start on this. If you, I'm, I'm going to be the novice on it. If you would like to give a, a uh, something to, to, to go forth before we go into these different dimensions, go right ahead. All right. Well, we live in the three-dimensional world, and there's another dimension, which is time, which is the fourth dimension. Beyond that, there's, uh, you could say, scientific speculation as to what exists. Um, there are many theories which say up to 11 exist. Uh, some say that there's just another one. Um, but science is aware that uh, the very smallest particles that we can measure operate on laws which cannot be of this dimension and therefore say there must be at least one more dimension. But when we have an out-of-body experience, we can be um, in the room which we've just, uh, we just come out of our body in, uh, such as when someone's had a, a near-death experience, they see themselves um, over their body on the operating table. And it's clearly, it's, it's not the same place that we, we live in. Um, even though it looks the same, because no one who who's alive or, or who is, is in the three-dimensional world can see us. So then we are in another dimension, another plane, another place altogether when we have an out-of-body experience. And uh, there are, again, dimensions above that. You see these examples of people who are going into the light. Uh, in a near-death experience, they tend to describe having gone through a tunnel and enter this, this light. Well, that light then is, is a, another dimension again. It's a different sort of uh, existence. It's more spiritual. Uh, so there are these, these various parallel universes, as some would describe them, that uh, exist beyond this, this world. And uh, dreams are another interesting thing because if we are in a dream we can realize that we're dreaming. And again, where are we when we realize that we're dreaming? If, if someone is having an out-of-body experience, they can meet someone who's dreaming, and that's really, um, well, it's something really unusual, you know? So there are, there are other planes, other dimensions that exist, and they have kind of come through our our history, through our folklore, uh, through myths, um, throughout the history of humanity. The astral plane. Now, how do I get there? I want you to describe to me how I can get to that astral plane. The astral plane is simply a term that describes the next dimension. It's a fairly well-known term now uh, amongst people who are looking into this kind of thing. And effectively, we go there every night when we sleep, but we don't see it. Every night when we sleep, we usually dream. And what we're doing is that we're projecting a, like a model from our subconscious, and then that becomes real for us. So we kind of move around in this model of the world, which mostly we create. And we've got all kinds of things in our subconscious, you know, different... Um, Emotions, so we have dreams of, of all kinds, some good, some bad. 
But we wake up in the morning and we just either ignore them or just think, oh, well, I, I dreamt this. Occasionally, though, we can have a dream which gives us a kind of a, a push and says, something's going on here. You know, maybe we could dream about uh, a relative who we think has fallen ill and something just sort of knocks us inside and says, well, I'm going to give him a call and see what's happened. And then, yeah, we could find out that the, the that person has fallen sick, was taken to hospital. Um, so there are, there are things which go on in our dreams which are just a little bit beyond the ordinary and uh, give us a hint that there's something else going on there. And actually what's happening is that we are in that fifth dimension, we are in that astral plane, if you like, where people who have near-death experiences are, except that in a dream we, we don't see it. We see what's going on in our mind. You actually, in your book, A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams, you actually detail how to make yourself go into this, this state. Um, and so tell, tell them how people can get this book. Tell the people out there how they can get this book. You can, um, they can go into a local bookstore and just order it or can go online and find it at Amazon.com. And it's called A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams. And, uh, you know, they pick it up, have a look, and uh, try some of the exercises in it. And, well, 67% of people who've, who've uh, done this course in the book have had an out-of-body experience. So, so there's a good chance that they will have an out-of-body experience by reading this book and, and giving it a go. Well, Mark Pritchard, you don't write under that name. No, I write under a name which I'm called over there. Um, it's like... Over there? Yeah, because over there it's another world, it's another life. And uh, I get called another name. Everyone has a, like a name that's before we were born. And it's sort of, you could say a spiritual name or a... a Immortal name, even. Who gave you this name? I have no idea. <laughs> it's just something that that uh, we're called. We're all called a certain name because our parents name us here, and our life doesn't really begin here. Although you know, we think we we were born and that's it. Uh, we come from somewhere out there, and we go back there as well when we die. And we have a name that is ours before we're born and is ours after we're born. Uh, so it's after we die. So that's a name that I've got. Do people communicate with you when you go over to that? Can we call this the fifth dimension? Yes. Okay, right. let's, let's refer to that as the fifth dimension. Can, yes. we, can, can you communicate with people there? Oh, yes. Um, if two people have an out-of-body experience, one night, then they can go to the same place, they can meet, and when they wake up in the morning, they can talk about it. It's, it's very real. Or you can, uh, you can go and see someone who's dreaming, uh, in which case they probably won't see you, but they might remember dreaming about you. But you, you actually go to another dimension and you can travel around and meet other people. It's, it's here. It's, 
it's uh, now and it's very, very real. Can you go far? Yeah, Can you, you go into infinity? Um, not infinity. There's, there's like um, barriers, if you like, that keep us to our own um, solar system a, a bit further. Um, it, there's different laws in the universe. It's like antimatter and things like that. And we're not really capable of, of, of understanding those and going into them. It's, it's just like you've got uh, things that we don't understand in the universe now. Um, black holes, for example. Uh, there is this, these other things which we don't really understand and yeah, we couldn't really go into. You said they. I picked up on that when you said it. Who is they? Yeah, that's a good question, really. Um, we've got lots and lots of accounts of, of religious um, mythological uh, figures. For example, you get um, accounts of people having visions, and from these visions they get great knowledge and teachings and things like that. Or people see or have seen angels, and you really wonder where they come from. Uh, if you have an out-of-body experience, you go to the place where these spiritual beings are the very place and in near-death experiences for example a significantly significantly high proportion of people feel a spiritual presence or see and meet the spiritual being and this happens whether people have religious beliefs or not and it happens all around the world so when you go there there are these spiritual beings, and uh, this, this is the day that I'm really referring to. Okay. In your book, as I skimmed through it, I noticed when you, the very first time that you got into taking an out-of-body experience, would you yep. care to describe that whole scenario to us and the scientist that was there? group of us lay down to have an ast astral projection, it's called, an out-of-body experience. The idea was that um, uh, someone who's taken the study would put an object in the next room and we would project, we'd come out of our bodies, go into the next room, and then when we wake up, we'll be able to say what that object was. So. We went into the room just to look at it and to sort of get a visual picture of it. This is before the out-of-body experience? Before the out-of-body experience, yes. And then we came into another room, lay down. The, the person carrying out the experiment went into the other room, placed the object, came back, said, right, now you carry out this exercise to project, which is basically all we did was relax the body and concentrate and visualize being in that room. Very, very simple. So I'd never done anything like this before. I didn't know what to expect. Is, is your setting in a dark place? Are you in full light? It's, it's the nighttime, so it's, it's completely dark. 
we're lying down <clears throat> and uh, just relaxing the body and imagining or visualizing this place. Then, as I was falling asleep, instead of falling asleep, I found myself lifting up in the air, coming out of my body. And it was, to me, it was really frightening. I was, I was hovering above my body, shouting, help, help. I didn't know where I was, whether I was ever going to go back, uh, or what was happening to me. But as I looked around, I could see that some people had come out of their bodies and were in the room with me. And not only that, but there was a, a, another gentleman in the room uh, who must have got there by a, a, an out-of-body experience as well. Uh, I could sort of sense what was in the, the other room with the object, so I sort of got a picture of what was there. But I didn't go very far because I was so frightened, and that fear brought me back into my body. But then, uh, the next morning, when we spoke about what had happened, I, uh, I correctly identified um, the object in the room, but also, much more interesting than that, uh, I was able to explain about this gentleman who visited and, and said who he was, and the others verified, yes, he, he visited us uh, out of the body that night. And they'd all seen him. And for me then, this was something extremely real. Not only was the experience very real, but I could verify things there, back here, which was very important to me in showing me that this was not something that I had created in my mind. So that was my first uh, experience. And gradually I got over that fear, which um, yeah, was which held me back at that time. So getting over that fear of, of having an out-of-body experience is very important. Why did, that, why did that person say he was there that particular night? I'm not sure. I think that he, he must have been projecting and, and traveling around and perhaps even looking for people who had also projected. Um, I couldn't say why he, he had come to that place. I can only just speculate, really. So this was uh, this experience actually kind of proved to you and the experimenter that uh, it was you were capable of rising and leaving your body and moving. Yes, that's right. That's identifying right. in the morning what you were supposed to identify. Yes, and uh, after that, I also tried other experiments. I tried looking at the uh, marks on the ceiling, which I couldn't see from, from where I was lying down, looking at, at different um, patterns on walls in other places so that I would then go back. Uh, having been out of my body, I'd come back in the next morning and check those. And uh, yeah, I could see that they were exactly as I'd seen them, but I couldn't see them even from standing up because it, I'd had to be really, really close to the ceiling to be able to spot them. All right. Tell me about your second experience out of body. My second out of body experience was was very 
it was similar to the first, except that it was done in the day. Uh, I was on my bed at home, and I just lay down, relaxed, and concentrated on my heartbeats this time. By concentrating on my heartbeats, what started to happen was that I felt as though I was moving with the heartbeats. So instead of just feeling the heart there, it was as though I was moving up and down. And I know this is because sleep had started and I was not quite awake, not quite asleep. But as I kept going, I began to move up and down with the heartbeat and I lifted out of my body again. Only this time it was in the room, it was in bright daylight, and I, I conducted another experiment because I'd heard that uh, you can create your own reality when you're there. A lot of people do this, so I thought, right, I'm going to see if I can change what I see here. So I looked around, the room was, was exactly as I left it when I was in the body, but I imagined a toothbrush just in front of me. I imagined that toothbrush and it appeared. So I had this toothbrush which I had constructed myself. And, and that told me that you can, can create a reality there, but I felt that it's not a good thing to do because I wouldn't be able to see what was actually there. And this is one of the biggest problems with out-of-body experiences is that people see what's in the subconscious. And so you've really got to learn techniques to stop that. It's like to stop the dream state and to see what's actually there. But from that again, I, I learned something quite important, came back to my body, and uh, I was ready to try again the next day. So in other words, you learned not to create while you were in there. That's right. I learned not to, to create my own reality and how important it is to be aware and to look around and see what's exactly there and to watch my own thoughts and emotions to see that I don't um, go into a dream state in that. Now, I haven't read enough of your book to know if this question I'm about to ask you is in it. Right. But the whole universe, as it ticks away, has good and evil in it. Yes, that's right. Do you ever run into the evil while you're in this state? Yes, you can. Um, these, the, the evil exists. It, it's like saying there's no, no night if, if you, um, if, for people who say there's no evil. The evil is, is within each person, really. Um, and it, it exists over there. Can you I, I describe the evil to me? Yeah, I, when I say within each person, I don't mean like a demonic sense. I mean a sort of, uh, you know, we can feel angry, we can feel negative and things like that. So there's, there's good and bad in every person. And when you go out there, again, there's, there's good and there's bad, there's positive and negative. And uh, on the negative side, you can come across beings that are not, not benevolent, not good. Um, it's about 10 to 12 of people who have near-death experiences don't have a positive experience and in dreams that figure rises to about 40-43% of, of, of dreams in a night can have a nightmare 
or a bad experience. So if you do go into the the astral plane, if you have an out-of-body experience, you've got to be prepared that you may see things that you don't like. Now, if I eat pizza, I have nightmares. Yep. Stuff that I just can't even explain to you because there's sometimes they're so foolish, but yet they can actually scare me. That's right. Now, give me a scenario of something that you have faced in an out-of-body experience that you don't want to have to face again. I'm very... And then we'll get back to the positive side of this. Okay. Well, I was out of my body and I saw an animal. Uh, it was a kind of a dog. And the dog was a bit nasty looking. And it, it ran at me. And I put my hand out in front of me and it just bit my arm and it was holding onto my arm. Uh, I managed to get that thing off and it, it, it disappeared. Now, I know these things can happen in dreams as well, but if you're out of your body, you can be very, very frightened by something like this. Uh, but you've, you've really got to know that nothing is going to harm you. You, you don't have a, a body like this over there that can be harmed. And so if you really eventually start to feel, right, I'm okay, nothing can really get at me. Once you feel that, then you're all right to move around and you see something over there and you know you're okay. Now, was that a something that you imagined or was that something out there running loose that was evil? Or was that something uh, that creature was having an out-of-body experience too? What do you describe it as? I mean, where, where did it come from? It could have been any of those things. Uh, in, if it's a case like that, I tend to use my intuition. Um, because intuition plays a big part over there. Like you say, it could have been something from my own mind, a projection from my subconscious like in a dream. It could have been another animal which was dreaming even. Uh, you, you know, you see dogs, they fall asleep, they, they dream. You can just tell they're moving around like they're, they're having a dream. So they can be over there as well. It could have been a dog like that which could have attacked me. Or it, it could have been something more sinister. Uh, I, I felt that it was, it was something that almost like was, was showing me something. Like in a dream where you feel in a dream something is showing you something, something is giving you a kind of a hint uh, about things. And I, I think it was it's to do with fear and overcoming fear in that instance. Is there a problem getting, if when one of those incidents happen, getting back into your body? No, there's no problem at all. The, the usual scenario is that you fly straight back into your body. Do you decide when you want to do that? When you're in your state of of uh, astral travel, do you decide when you leave and when you come back? Yeah, you decide when you leave normally, although you can have an out-of-body experience spontaneously. But if you want to come back, you you normally just visualize your body and you, you come back to it and you wake up. But the problem with out-of-body experiences normally is that you don't stay there long enough. So you can go out, you can spend, say, a minute, and then fly back to your body. Uh, you only have to have a strong emotion 
like a fear or something, or your body moves just slightly and you fly back into it. So the problem is not really being stuck out there. The problem is trying to stay out there so you can be out there long enough to have a good experience and, and discover something. How long does the typical experience last? Does it last hours? Does it last minutes? Does it last seconds? Typical experience lasts about 40 seconds, I'd say, for most people. Uh, some have minutes and some have extended times, but none of them tend to last a very long time because of this, this pullback of the body effect. But if you learn to have out-of-body experiences, you can go back out into the astral plane. You can have another one when you wake up. So you can, you can go out and come back in and go out again like that. Well, now, we talked about the, the people having near-death experience. Yeah. In this plane that you're speaking of, is the dead in that plane? Oh, yes. The dead is my mom in that plane? It depends. Perhaps she, she went into the light, um, which is another plane again. Um, life is in a state of movement, state of flux. Um, she moves on, everybody moves on. Uh, but you, you could, yeah, people, people can see the deceased over there. Can they communicate? Case. Can you communicate? And I assume you do that through your mind and not through your voice. Well, if you're out of your body, you, you could try using your mind, but it's more effective to use your voice because it tends to carry very well over there. So you, you can talk in the astral plane. And you, you, can, you can come across people who have died. Uh, it's happened to me a couple of times. Like a friend, for example, that I knew in school, he'd, uh, he died in a motor accident and then three days later, I went uh, and found him. Uh, I said a few words to him. Uh, I said, look, you've died. And he was, he was a bit like, um, he didn't know where he was at that particular time. It's because he was going through a, a, a time that he just died. And, and what I saw effectively was, was like his ghost rather than him that had perhaps gone into the light, because um, ghosts, they are, um, you could say, part of a person who's died. Uh, I mean, there's ghost stories all around the place. And uh, you, you can find these ghosts while you're out of the body, which is what I met in that, that case. Okay. You know, I'm looking through the book here. I wrote some things down. All right. I found this pretty interesting as I was reading it. The components of the psychic. Yep. Now, now, it's your show. Tell me. Well, in the, in the psyche, you've got thoughts, emotions, different feelings, and it's important to be able to see these in everyday life because they affect what happens when we sleep and what happens when we have an out-of-body experience. 
So, for example, if we've got a job interview and we're worried about that job interview that's coming up in a week's time, we can dream about that job interview. Uh, and usually it's that kind of thinking about it, the emotions involved in it, that then cause us to have that dream. In a similar way, if we're having um, arguments during the day, if we feel a negative, then at night we can dream of being chased, being in fights and things like that. When we're in a dream state, we don't have the body to bring us back to reality. So we're just locked in this dream world. By looking at these different components of the psyche, our thoughts, feelings, emotions, we can begin to see them in our daily life. So we can look at our fears, for example. We can spot when they arise, what they feel like, and we can begin to reduce them. We can begin to get out of fears. We can begin to get out of, of very angry, negative states. Begin to get out of low states, negative ones, depression and things like this. And this then has an effect on our, our psyche in daily life, but also in our dream life. And as you, you clear up these things very slowly from daily life, they clear up from the dreams, the dreams become clearer and far more pleasant. And then we see more of what's actually going on in the dream world. If you just tuned in, I'm visiting with Mark Pritchard. He's the writer of A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams. And in the book it says the components of psychic, the subconscious or egos, which are our thoughts, emotions, instincts, and feelings. The consciousness, the essential part of what we are, the personality is what we acquire within our own life. That's right. Now, the ego, is that what really drives us, do you think, more than anything else? Or do you yeah. think it's the personality? Generally, it's, it's the, the ego that drives us. So we, we have drives to, to get on in life and things like this. These are, these are normal drives of life. Um, they express themselves through the personality which we acquire. So up to the age of seven, we're really creating our personality. Uh, but we also have consciousness, which is really the fundamental part of what we are. And it's from this that we get these uh, feelings of spirituality, of peace, of love, and, and true happiness, and so on. So we have these three basic um, components within us and we feel then perceive the consciousness by being aware and if, if we're aware then we're in the present moment we're in the here and now we're seeing reality and that's how we can perceive consciousness within us listening audience have you ever had a dream where you thought you were flying or floating after falling asleep Mark says this could be astral travel. Now I'm going to get over here because you've actually sent me some interview questions that I've loaded, laid over to the side. Yep. And so I'm going to go back to some of them because they're very interesting. Are there other ways of having out-of-body experiences besides laying down and going to sleep? Yes. 
if you're dreaming, you can realize that you're dreaming. And you can look around and the dream world can sometimes vanish and you can be out of your body in exactly the same place as if you had projected or even had a near-death experience. That's called lucid dreaming. That's the other way to get uh, an out-of-body experience besides projecting into the astral plane. What scientific proof exists of out-of-body experiences? There's only really anecdotal evidence for out-of-body experiences, and that are the accounts of the people who have had them. And this is a real problem when it comes to getting actual scientific proof and, uh, and the stamp of approval for out-of-body experiences. However, the anecdotal evidence is so good that you'd have to really stretch your imagination to find a way that they couldn't be true. For example, in a near-death experience, there are cases such as uh, one of a woman who um, died on the operating table, came out of her body, was able to describe exactly what was going on on the operating table, came, flew up out of the, the room, up onto the roof of the hospital, and saw a red training shoe. And it was in a position that you couldn't see from the ground. When she was revived, she explained what had happened, the clear events which had taken place in the, in the operating room, and she, she described the shoe. Medical staff went up onto the roof and they got the shoe. And there was no way that anybody could see that from the ground. So these are the kinds of anecdotal reports which to most people are compelling, but because they're experiences which happen um, out of the body, you cannot measure that body and see that there's anything particularly different going on than someone who is sleeping or someone who is dead. All you've got is the body, if we're measuring it here from the three-dimensional world. And that's the big problem in getting scientific proof. You can only go on accounts. So that's, that's why uh, I feel the best way to learn about out-of-body experiences is by having them. Because to the individual who has them, they can prove whether they're real or not. But again, they won't be able to prove that to other people unless the other people have out-of-body experiences. So that's where we get stuck with science. I don't feel that it has progressed enough, nor that there's enough research being done to really say that these out-of-body experiences are completely scientifically verifiable at this stage. So I think it's an individual thing. Is there any danger in, in, in leaving your body? If someone has a sound mind, there's no danger at all. Uh, all you're doing is falling asleep effectively, but you're aware of what's happening instead of dreaming. So we go to sleep every night when in that astral plane, but we don't realize it. We wake up in the morning and we're just fine. And it's the same with any other body experience. Well, you know that there's people out there listening, and we're streaming around the world, and I see that there's a lot of people listening on my computer. What do you say to those skeptics out there? 
they can only know if this is true or not by doing it themselves. They can't know by reading what someone else has experienced or listening to what someone else is telling them. The only way is to have your own out-of-body experience. I mean, it's quite common. It's one in ten people have had an out-of-body experience. It's just that it's kind of hushed up, uh, hushed up a bit. You know, we're not talking about it all the time, and and that because there is this this sense of oh, it's something out there. It's something very strange, but it's not really. It's something that's part of life. You know, one in ten people around the world, that's a lot of people. And if someone hasn't had an out-of-body experience and wants to know whether they're real or not, you could read some very, very compelling accounts. But I feel that the best way is to experience it yourself. It's like wanting to know what an apple tastes like. If you want to taste an, to know what an apple tastes like, would you read what someone has written about it? Would you go and have a look at some scientific... Uh, experiments on apples and taste, or would you go to the local store, buy an apple, pick it up and eat it? I, I think really you'd want to go and eat the apple to find out what it tastes like, and I feel it's like this with out-of-body experiences. If you want to know what an out-of-body experience is like, go and, go and try it. Want it to go and have one. Is, is it possible to find out what death is like through this out-of-body experience? Yes, to a certain extent, um, because if we have an out-of-body experience, we know that we are not just this body. We know that our consciousness can separate from this body and that we are in another place. And just by having that, it makes you realize that we can survive beyond the death of our bodies, that we're just, we're just in them for a time and that there is more, more to life than just what we see here. And so you so, think that it'll change the perspective of, if people do this, people buy the book, and through the book, they can be trained to have these travels. Yep. That it is a way to reveal what is beyond what we see. Exactly. And you shouldn't go there with preconceived ideas, thinking, oh, it's going to be like this, that, and the other. Go there with an open mind. Go there with a skeptical mind, if you like, but go there. And you open up a whole new avenue on life, and you put your whole life into perspective. Most people who have near-death experiences say that they've been changed by the experience, that it's made them really consider what life is about, and it gives them a kind of a spiritual perspective on life. And the same thing happens with out-of-body experiences. As long as you have clear ones, lucid ones, where you can see what's there, it really changes your whole perspective on life. I think that I can do this. I can fall asleep inside of five minutes. I can yep. fall asleep sitting here if I choose. Yeah. Now, tonight, I want you to have that out-of-body experience and come to West Virginia <laughs> at 12 o'clock, and let's see if I see you. I could try. I'll try to. I... Now that's now we're on the Eastern time, so you're going to have to go to bed early out there in California, or you don't have to go to bed, right? Uh, I would have to go to bed re normally. I could try to do a practice 
concentration and exercise of concentration and come out of my body like that. Now, I'll be asleep. I know I will be at 12, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to do this. I may have to read a little bit more of this book as I go to sleep. But, right. But just as an experiment. Well, I've always said I wouldn't do experiments. Um, well, just for funsies then, Mark. It's, I'm just curious. Yeah, I find it interesting. I think that, you know, two times this week, without even people knowing about this book or this program, they've talked to me about out-of-body experiences. Yeah. And, and they had no idea that you were going to be on because I didn't have any idea until yesterday. Right. So I found that kind of uh, intriguing. So we'll try that. If it doesn't work, I'll not be a disbeliever. I'll just say it didn't work. I think that all you would remember in any case would be a dream. And the chances of remembering that I was in a dream would be, well, slim. You'd have to remember all your dreams for the night. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I can do that or not, but, but we'll try it. Shall I eat pizza? Pizza? <laughs> um, you could try, you could eat pizza, whatever. Um, I, th I think the best thing, though, would be for you to try an out-of-body experiment because if you're in that plane and you, you're aware of it, it's much easier to meet uh, than if you're just asleep dreaming. So, I mean, for anybody... Well, here's, what, here's what we'll do. You give it a try... And you just pick a collar, and you tell me that collar. And I'll see if I remember that collar in the morning. Collar. A collar. And I'll email you. All right. You could try that. So you're going to try to remember a collar. I'm going to remember a collar. Right. But you're going to tell me. The same color. Yeah. Well... I, I have made a rule not to not to go into experiments because they only tend to show things that uh, are good for I suppose the individual who's who's experienced it, but they never they never provide proof. Nonetheless, I'll email you if I come up with a caller tonight. This then you won't have to do the experience, but think about it at twelve o'clock midnight Eastern time. And tell them how they can get this book. It's an interesting book, A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams. Mark Pritchard, yep. he's been here with me for the last 40 minutes or so. And you buy this book, folks. It's interesting. Tell them how to get it again, Mark, please. Right. You can go to your local bookstore and order it. It's called A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams. Or you can go to Amazon.com and order it there. Or you can go to... Uh, our website at gnosticweb.com g-n-o-s-t-i-c-w-e-b dot com you can order it there and you can also sign up for a free online course where you can learn to have out of body experiences in a, in a week by week structured course and talk to other people about your experiences and, and meet others and so on interesting there's too many people out there in this whole world that, do, that live right here that say, I've had this. So, does it exist? So buy the book, decide for yourself. It's not an experiment that we're trying. 
and I'll see what color I come up with. Yeah, this is why I say it's an individual thing. I mean, I've been asked loads of times to do experiments. I've, I've refused them all because yeah. I feel that it's really for a, an individual to prove this. Not to say that, that I couldn't, and I did do these experiments in the beginning, which is why I've been talking about them, but I, I really show people how to have their own out-of-body experience now, rather than trying to convince anybody through um, an account uh, of an experiment. Because these, these accounts have been done in tests so often to scientists, and they find other ways of explaining them. And it can take a lot of effort to project and go to meet somebody. And then people say, oh, well, it could have been because of this. You could have just both dreamt the same color, for example. And, and I find it quite a deflating sort of experience, having put a lot of effort in. Well, I'll be there tonight. Even if you don't want to, I'm going to be there tonight sleeping anyhow, eating pizza. Hope it's not a bad experience because I dream some really bad stuff sometimes when I'm eating pizza. But you've got a new book coming out, The Peace of the Spirit Within. Yes. And that deals with psychology. That deals with those um, components of the psyche that we were talking about earlier. And it, it looks into um, these egos, these negative states which we have, uh, in order to understand them. And then it looks at consciousness. Uh, and, and from there, we try to find where we can find peace, because peace is a very important state. And it has a cause, like any, any inner state has a cause. So something causes us to be angry, for example. Peace also has a cause, and if we can find that cause, then we can bring about that peace. We can begin to learn how it works and bring it into our lives, just as we can learn about all these other negative states, which, I mean, people are suffering with right across the world. People are going through all sorts of traumas, negative feelings, uh, fears, anger, and so on. And it's really, it's causing huge problems in families uh, and in daily life. And yet there is a way to really understand this. And it's, it's an ancient way as well. It's been used um, in, in ancient psychology through religions. Uh, the ancient Greeks would have practiced it and all sorts of old cultures. But it's kind of revived for today. And it's essentially, again, the individual looking inside and seeing what's going on inside. So just like tasting the apple, you see your own anger, for example, and you feel how that, that is. You, you get to know that state and you get to learn how it operates in your life, what causes it to arise. With that knowledge, which is why we, call, we say gnosis, Gnostic, with that knowledge then, you learn about yourself. And you can learn much better than if someone is, is telling you what you like, what, what uh, rats do in experiments and so on, like in conventional psychology. You can learn much more by studying yourself. And in that way, you can, you can change your life and bring real peace into it in a, in a lasting way. Well, Mark, I thank you for, for uh, coming on Five Alive this evening. Interesting book. I hope everybody gets it. And tonight, Belsabu. If you come out into the asshole plane, you, you can call uh, that's me. That's who I'm going to be looking sure. for this evening at midnight.
Oh, I, you've got a very good chance. If you if you come out and call me, then you've got a very good chance we can meet. Okay, take care. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.